Okay. Our topic is Rosh Hashanah. And for those who do not know Rosh Hashanah, Israel has just celebrated the new year last Friday. It's called Rosh Hashanah. They celebrate it for two days. It starts from 6 p.m. sundown Friday to 6 p.m. sundown Sunday. And now we're going to study it because for God, the beginning of the year as he sees it is always Rosh Hashanah. So the word Rosh in Hebrew means head in English. Ha is the English the and Shana means year. So Rosh Hashanah literally means head of the year. So the Jews kept two calendars. One is what they call the civil calendar, where the new year is Rosh Hashanah, and the other calendar is God's sacred calendar. And in both calendars, you will find Rosh Hashanah. That's how important it is. Now in Exodus 12, I will read it. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, that's verse 1, verse 2. This month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. So at the time of the writing of Exodus, the Jews were already celebrating the civil calendar. So they were celebrating Rosh Hashanah every year. Now in verse 2, God instituted another calendar. God gave the Jews another calendar, and it's called God's sacred calendar. And he said, this month, which is the seventh month of the civil year, this month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. So what he did was the second calendar of the Jews, which is God's sacred calendar, became the first calendar for them. So I guess it's more important to God. Now, let's understand God's sacred calendar. Genesis 1.14. Then God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night. Let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years. So this is when God was creating the world. And on this day, he was setting time into his creation. So before there was just eternity, and now he sets time. And I want you to notice the word season there. This word season in Hebrew is moed, M-O-E-D. It means appointments. So a little recap again. The Hebrew word is moed. The English word here is season. And the meaning of that is appointment. That's very significant. Why? That means there are seasons. There are moedim in God's calendar, which he circled when mankind is supposed to meet with him. So the seasons or the divine appointments are the time where man is supposed to connect with God. That's so important to him. So it means people, whether they are Jews or all mankind, 
have a divine appointment with God on certain dates on his calendar, which are called Moedim, or for short, for us, Moeds. So I want you to see how important this is to God, that he had to make another calendar and he had to choose certain dates, which are special dates where we can connect with him. Now, let's look deeper into God's sacred calendar. Okay, Leviticus 23. In fact, if you read the whole chapter, it will give you the whole sacred calendar. You will begin to understand how the sacred calendar is going to work. So in verse 1 and 2, it says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, The feasts of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations, these are my feasts. So in Hebrew, in a Hebrew Bible, it will say it this way. Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, The Moedim of Jehovah. That's how it is written in Hebrew. So now, we'll begin to understand that the seasons mentioned in Genesis, which in Hebrew is Moedim, is also called the feasts. The feasts of Israel. So the seasons in God's calendar, which is the feasts of Israel, is God's appointment with man. So when you hear of the feasts of Israel from now on, don't just think, oh, that's just for Israel. Because usually that's the reaction of Christians. Now, why should I study them? It's what Israel celebrates in their own calendar. But now we begin to understand that the feasts are actually God's appointment, not only with the Jews, but with mankind as a whole. So when you read Leviticus 23, the whole chapter, it will list down the seven feasts. Now, I want you to look at verse 4 and 5. It says here, these are the feasts of the Lord, holy convocations which you shall proclaim at their appointed times. On the 14th day of the first month at twilight, it's the Lord's Passover. Okay, once again, in the Hebrew Bible, it will say it this way. These are the Moedim of Jehovah, holy convocations. You shall proclaim them in their Moeds or in their Moedim. And it starts with Passover. Now, I will show you a slide so we'll get an overview. Now, this is the slides of God's sacred calendar. As you see, you will all find them in Leviticus 23. Now, I want you to notice there are seven moeds or seven feasts. You have Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, Pentecost, trumpets, Day of Atonement, and Tabernacles. Those are all the feasts. Those are all the Moedim. Now, I want you to know that each Moedim or each feast is a historical event which they are celebrating every year. Now, the second one, I want you to know about these Moeds. Each is also a harvest time. 
And the third, which is important to us, okay, is this. Each has a prophetic fulfillment. This is what makes it exciting in our generation. It has a prophetic fulfillment. I want to show you a verse, Colossians 2.17. I'll start with 16. So let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths. Included here are the feasts. 17. Which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. All of the feasts point toward Jesus Christ. They are a shadow of Jesus Christ, which means they picture a work of Christ that he needs to fulfill for humanity. Now let's look at the slide, okay? God's sacred calendar is also called the calendar of redemption. It's the history of the redemption of mankind. At your left, you can see, are the spring moeds. There are four of them. And what's exciting about the spring moeds, all of them were fulfilled at the first coming of Christ. All of them. Like, for example, Passover. While they were celebrating the Passover and they were killing all the lambs in Israel, that day, Jesus Christ was crucified and became our Passover lamb. So all of that, Jesus fulfilled. The Passover, the unleavened bread, the first fruits, and the Pentecost. Now, there are few months where they are not celebrating any holy days. Now, that represents, if you look below the slide, the church age. And then we will go to the fall moeds. What is exciting about the fall moeds is all of them have not yet been fulfilled. And if you notice, the first one to be fulfilled is the Feast of Trumpets, which is also called Rosh Hashanah. The spring moeds were fulfilled by Christ. You can be fully assured that all of the fall moeds will also be fulfilled by Christ. And they will be fulfilled when? At the second coming of Christ. So this is very significant for our day. For the Jews, they call these fall moeds the high holy days. And the Feast of Trumpets is of utmost importance to the fall moeds just as Passover is to the spring moeds. Now, that means as we come to the end of the church age, do you believe we're almost at the end? <laughs> because as we come to the end of the church age, the first to be fulfilled is Rosh Hashanah. That's why we need to study this and see what is it a picture of in the future, how Jesus is going to fulfill it, and for now, how we are going to apply it for our daily lives. God led me to uh, study on the feast. And now I understand why. Because uh, the more you see the world now, the more you have this sense in your heart. And I'm sure you have this sensing in your heart 
that we're drawing closer to the end of this age. This is very exciting, okay? Rosh Hashanah. Let's go back to Leviticus 23. Leviticus 23, 24, 25 is where you find Rosh Hashanah. It says there, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall have a Sabbath rest, a memorial of blowing of trumpets. Don't forget that. A memorial of blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work on it, and you shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. Now, what is Rosh Hashanah? First of all, it says there, it's a memorial for us before God. When you apply the word memorial today, it usually means something that is designed to preserve the memory of a person or an event. That's not what it means here. Memorial here means reminder of something to be done or something to happen. So during Rosh Hashanah, God is expecting His people to do something. Alright? Now, what is to be done this day according to these verses? There's going to be the blowing of trumpets. Trumpets there is the shofar. Have you seen a shofar? The shofar is a ram's horn. The new year, which is the Feast of Trumpets, in Hebrew is called Yom Teruah. Why am I mentioning it? Because Teruah literally means to shout. So Rosh Hashanah is a day of the blowing of the shofar. It's the day of shouting. It's a day of sounding the horn. In fact, in Israel up to now, it's customary for them that at least 100 blasts of shofar you will hear in the land of Israel or wherever the Jews are. Although, actually, for them, the minimum requirement is only 30 blasts of shofar. So, the first meaning of Rosh Hashanah is a memorial before God. And the thing to be done this day is the blowing of the shofar, Yom Teruah. So, it begins with a very loud, piercing shofar blast. Historically, if you go back to where it all started, the purpose of the shofar blast was to gather the people to the door of the tabernacle to prepare for the Day of Atonement. So, the new year of the Jews or the new year of God is not to be celebrated like the way the world celebrates it. What do I mean? When New Year Eve comes, what do the world do? They party and most of them get drunk. That's how they celebrate the New Year. But not to God. To God, the New Year is a time to gather together as the people of God and to meet with Him. The New Year starts from a place of prayer and worship. That's where it all starts. So how does it apply to us today? 
For us, it's also a time to draw our attention to God and not to the world. It's a time to fix our eyes on the Lord and a time to meet with Him. That's what Rosh Hashanah is. What's another meaning of Rosh Hashanah? This is the third one. Rosh Hashanah also begins with the people listening to the shofar. And the job of the shofar is to wake us up from our spiritual slumber and to make us fully alert. Why do we need to be waked up? Because as human beings, and we're still here on the earth, and I, I guess you will agree with me, all of you. As human beings, it's easy to get caught up with the ordinary routine of daily life. Or in our case today, it's easy to be caught up with the big challenges that we face in the world. So the shofar blast is to wake us up from everything that is natural and stir us up and refocus our eyes on the spiritual. It will wake you up to the presence of God in your lives, and it will stir you up to action. That's the third one. Now, what are we supposed to do? What action is God expecting from his people when he meets with them? Now, for the Jews, Rosh Hashanah is also a day of judgment. For them, they will have 10 days where they will examine their lives and they will go through 10 days of cleansing before God. This is in preparation for the Day of Atonement. Because the Day of Atonement is where all their sins will be dealt with. And this is not what we think of judgment today. When we think of judgment we, today, we think of God being angry, pouring out His wrath on people. This is not what it means. The Day of Judgment is as if you're starting a court hearing before God. I think the lawyers will understand this. It's as if you're starting a court hearing before God and now your life is going to be examined before God. That's what it means. Judgment now begins. The court is now in session, okay, before God. It's the beginning of the trial. So the blowing of the trumpet is a call to judgment and repentance. Now, how does this apply to us? Look at 1 Peter 4.17. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God, and if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? When I, when I see this verse, I see the mercy of God. That means for His church, He is giving His church time to repent and to be cleansed from all their sins. Amen? This is a wonderful time God has given to us. This is not God pouring out His wrath to us. So, it's a time of cleansing. Cleansing from everything that is not from God. Cleansing from everything that is of the world. 
so that we can start fresh with God in this new year. So God starts this new year by giving His people an opportunity to examine their lives before God, to repent from any known sin, so that we can start fresh with God. So this is the mercy of God. This is the love of God for us. All right? I want you to see it that way. As we enter into this new year, God is giving us a chance to have a clean break. Okay? A clean break from what is old, from what is from the old season, so that He can usher us into the new season. I hope that excites you. If you see the world today, they cannot wait for 2020 to end. For most people, 2020 is such a confusing, challenging, it's not really a good year. And a lot of people cannot wait for this year to end. But you know, in God's calendar, we've ended that year. And now God is giving us a clean break from the old year, from the old season, from what took us down, amen? So that He can take us into the new. It's a divine opportunity to break free and enter into the good plans of God. And that's good news. New year means new breaks, good plans of God to be fulfilled. That's why He wants to meet with us. So that we have a chance to repent and He can give us a brand new start. Are you ready for a brand new start? Okay, don't wait for 2021. Don't wait for COVID-19 to be over. Please don't wait. This is God's calendar. I hope this excites you. This is God's calendar. God's going to pull us out from the old. He's going to take us now to the new. Hallelujah. Amen? If you get anything tonight, I hope you get this. God's going to pull us into the new, into His plans, so that whatever He has ordained for our lives will be fulfilled. But it does not happen without repentance. I want you to get that. That's why the shofar, the shofar is a call to judgment and repentance. We need to repent. Look at Acts 3.26. If you want to break free, if you want the new to come into your life, we've got to move from the old. And that takes repentance. Acts 3.26. This is good news. That's why there's new year, okay? There's new year for all of us. Happy new year, partners. Hallelujah. Happy new year. Woo! That's the Shofar Blast. Hallelujah. Acts 3.26 To you first, God, having raised up his servant Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from your iniquities. You know, this is such a rhema to me when I was a young Christian. I saw the word to bless. And I realized that the first blessing he gives to his children is repentance. So repentance is not a bad word. Amen? It's a good word. It's a blessing word. 
And repentance means a change of direction, a total turnaround. That's what it means. And if you totally turn around from that which is not from the will of God, from that which is sin, amen, it will now lead you to God where you will find forgiveness, you will find cleansing, you will find salvation, and you will find every kind of blessing. Amen? So repentance is good. And I'm glad that's how God ordained New Year. Amen? A day of repentance. Don't forget this. Repentance is the doorway to your blessings. Repentance is the doorway to your victory. Okay? You've got to enter into that door. You've got to move from one room to another. Imagine yourself moving from the old to the new. And the door is repentance. Amen? It's a door to your victory. It's a door to your breakthrough. And I tell you, this year that we've entered, 5,781, it's a glorious year for the church, but it will not happen to individual Christians if they don't start with repentance. Amen? That's why we need this. So that's the fourth thing. We will discuss two more, but I will only discuss one today because the other one needs a lot of study because it will picture the work of Christ in the future. Now, in Israel, immediately... After they blow the shofar, the Jews will say this. Today is the birthday of the world. Today, the world stands in judgment. What do they mean? In Israel, this is what they know. And it can be backed up by scripture. Rosh Hashanah is the day where we celebrate the birthday of of the world, specifically the day that Adam and Eve was created. It's the birthday of mankind. Amen? The birthday of Adam and Eve. Now, how come for God, Rosh Hashanah, which is the fifth feast in the sacred calendar, why is it Rosh Hashanah is called the head of the year and not the Passover? Remember, Passover is the beginning of the sacred year. Now, this is why. Because Rosh Hashanah has always been celebrated by the Jews before the sacred calendar. So it has nothing to do with the Jews coming out of Egypt and becoming the nation of Israel. Rosh Hashanah is the date which has something to do with all mankind because it's the birthday of humanity. Now, for us to understand more and to have a deeper insight, let's see what we are actually celebrating on that day, okay? I know this is familiar to you, but I want us to go back there. Genesis 1, 26. I can't remember how many times we've studied this verse, okay? But this one, this one is an additional nugget of truth. Verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image. Hallelujah. We're the only creation in the world made in the image of God. Not even angels. Can you imagine? Not even angels are made in the image of God. Only mankind. Hallelujah. 
the greatest of all his creation, okay? And it says here, let us make man in our image according to his likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So man was made in the image of God. And look at the job he was given. What is the job he was given by God? Just one word. Dominion. That was our job. We were supposed and we are supposed to rule with Christ on the earth. Okay, that's our job. Now let's go deeper into this creation. Genesis 2.7 And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. So apparently man made the body first, lifeless. And then he breathed into man and he became a living being. In the original Hebrew, he became a speaking spirit. We're the only creation who speaks. That's very important in our next sessions. So every man on this earth, this is what we celebrate. Every man on this earth have breath because God breathed into him. And the rabbis are saying, when we hear the shofar, it reminds all of us, what did we do with the breath of life God has given us? And what job were we given individually? It's supposed to remind us that as we celebrate the birth of humanity, we also celebrate why God created us. See, God did not only save us so we can go to heaven. God saved us because there is really a divine purpose. He created us and then recreated us anew, became born again because we have a divine purpose in our lives. So in this day, what do we examine in our lives? As we remember the birthday of humanity, this is what we should ask ourselves. What have I done with my own life? Amen? And what have I done with the job God has given to me. Amen? It's a time of reflection. Now, the truth is, through this pandemic, God is really waking up the church. It's like you're hearing this blast every day of your life. It's like God, it's like God is saying, hey, hey, wake up. Look at the world and look at your life. Remember, remember why I created you. Remember the purpose why you're here. What has already happened to you? As we see the world getting darker and darker, and this age drawing closer and closer to the end, God is calling back his people to himself. He's calling us to unbroken communication with Him so that we can be cleansed before Him, so we can start all over again, and we can have an opportunity. This is our divine opportunity to work and partner with God in this last of the last days. Amen? I can only imagine, I can only imagine all of heaven really cheering us on. Come on! Let's 
put this to the close. But the church has to wake up to our true calling. The church has to wake up to who we really are in God. We are the new creation filled with the Spirit of God for a divine purpose nowadays. We are now His mouth. We are now His hands. We are now His feet. What have we done with our lives? Have we realigned ourselves to the will of God? Now is the time. Amen? Now is the time. God is giving us time so that we can work with Him in these last days. Amen? He's calling us to an unbroken communication and unbroken fellowship with Him. So as we receive revelations from God every day of our lives, now this new year, we can learn to dominate. I think it's time to dominate. Not to be dominated by circumstances, not to be dominated by Satan, not to be dominated by our flesh. I think it's time to dominate our flesh, to dominate what's happening in our families, to dominate what's happening in the Philippines, and to dominate what's happening in the world. How? Through our first ministry. Our first ministry is the ministry of the heavenlies. What do I mean? It's the call to dominion through prayer. We can pray things. As we hear God every day, we will know what to pray for. And when we know what to pray for, God is able to move, not only for ourselves. He's able to move for our families. He's able to move for our churches. He's able to move for our nation, the Philippines. Amen? He's able to move in all over the world. That kind of dominion. We've got to learn how to dominate, to have dominion this 5781st year in God's calendar. Okay? I want to end here. God reminded me of this. He reminded me the basic reason why He created us. Uh, I got this revelation when I was preparing for a marriage seminar. He took me back. To Genesis 2. Okay, this is where we're going to end. In Genesis 2.18 says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. When I was studying this, usually when we see this, not good that man should be alone, we immediately assume, Oh, see, Adam was alone he was lonely, so he needed Eve. At the back of our heads, we think alone means lonely. Okay? And then God corrected me. Because that's the usual traditional belief of people. We will not be complete without our spouse. And then he took me to a verse in, in the New Testament. It says there, we are complete in him. So, when God created Adam, he had no sin, remember? So, he was already complete in God. But he was made in the image of God. What's one image of God which is so prominent in him? In 1 John 4, it says, God is 
Love, remember? So what does love need? Because Adam is made in the image of God and God is love. Adam is love. And love needs to have someone to give to. You see? Love. Love will not be satisfied until it gives of itself. Do you understand? That's what love is. Love doesn't take. Love gives. Amen? That's the very nature of man. He will not be satisfied if he doesn't give of himself. Amen? That's why, that's why parents have unconditional love with their children. Am I correct? Parents? Parents love, no, from the very first day they saw their baby, they love to give. Am I correct? They just want to give, 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 give. Why? Because that's our nature. Love needs to give. That is the reason why Eve came so that Adam can love her. It's the same with God. God created us because he needed to love on us. Do you get that? He needed someone to love too. He just didn't create us so that we can work with him. Do you understand? He wants this dynamic love relationship with humanity. Everything springs from love. That's why the most powerful force in the universe is love. There's nothing, love never fails. There's nothing that can break love. There's nothing can, that can overcome love. If you have love, you always win. Amen? Now, the world is perverting that. But the God kind of love always wins. Amen? And like I said, he gave us this new year because he loves us so much. He wants to fulfill his plans for us. Now, why am I saying this? I'm saying this because he reminded me of this. We're almost at the end of the age. God is moving to fulfill all of his prophecies on the end times. He's moving forward. God is going to rearrange our lives so that his purpose and plans will prevail. So the big word, the big word in this year and in the coming years is change. There's going to be a lot of change, all right? It's going to be a lot of change. Now, for some people, they're nervous with change. They just want everything to stay the same. But God is already telling me at the beginning of this pandemic, nothing will go back to the same. Because God is going forward. He's rearranging things so that his purposes will now prevail not only for our lives, not only for the church, but for the whole world. Can you imagine? He's going to finish what he has started. Okay? That's how exciting it is. Now, you can only go with God if you're secure in his love. What, why do I say that? 1 John 4, 16 says, Perfect love casts out fear. You will not be afraid of repenting. You will not be afraid of changing. You will not be afraid of the future, of what's going to happen, not also of the world, if you are saturated in the love of God. If you know 
the reason why you're here on this earth right now, no matter what's happening outside, no matter what the devil is doing right now, he created you because he wants to love on you. He wants to bless you. He wants to be with you. He wants to partner with you. And you can only move forward with God. Allow him to change you. Allow him to pull out anything. Amen? Pull out anything in your life if you're secure with the love of God. God is calling us to himself. God is blowing his shofar. He's waking us up from the natural, from everything that has happened to us, which is not good. He's bringing us, us up into a new place in God. Amen. But he can only do that if we will repent with him in the security of his love. If we're willing to change. Because we know God loves us so much and he only wants what's best for us. Amen? There's nothing to go back to. There's nothing to go back to. It's all new. It's important to go with God this new year. Start with God this new year. Amen? Apply everything that you've learned. Allow God to examine your life so that he can bring you from the old into the new. Amen?